It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday, everybody. Brandon here from the Better Faster Podcast. If you haven't heard, Josh's company, Caroline Performance Training, had their first athlete qualify for the CrossFit Games, which is a huge deal. And in this episode, we give a recap about what all goes on behind the scenes at regionals in terms of competing, strategizing, and coaching. We also talk about what training is like for a CrossFit Games athlete from now until August. And at the end of the episode, I use this as an opportunity to answer a listener's question regarding cash BT and business consulting. So be sure to stick around for that one. You're going to hear about all that. But first, if you're going to be on the East Coast, July 14th and 15th, be sure to register for the Integrated Kinetic Neurology, that's the IKN approach course that we're hosting at Vertex PT Specialists in Columbia, South Carolina. You're not going to miss that one. And please head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. The podcast game is very much a popularity contest, and that's what helps us reach more people. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Better Faster Podcast. All right, let's get right into this. I need to take a minute to congratulate my co-host here because I know you're not going to brag on yourself. <laughs> Last weekend, Josh took a whole gang of qualifying athletes to Atlantic Regionals, did the impossible, and walked out with two top 10 finishes. Even yep. better. <laughs> even better, yeah. One of them's going to the CrossFit Games, and his name is Ethan Helbig. And if you're watching it all last week, you know exactly who Ethan is because the announcers kept talking about how big this guy was. <laughs> oh, they're like, oh, he lives up to his last name, Helbig, because he's hella big. Man, that's just like fruit there. So, Josh, I want you to walk us through that moment. What were you feeling when the top four names got called to the podium? There was that dramatic pause. And Ethan's name gets called. And you find out you're going to the games in August. Oh, man, it still hadn't set in, to tell you the truth. It was one of those things where I had the, the numbers in my head. I knew how many points Ethan had, knew how many points everybody else had. Um, I knew how many points the sixth-place person had at that time because, realistically, he was the only person that could still be in the conversation. The seventh-place um, person going into that event was a little too far back. Um, so when they finished, I had in my mind, I thought Ethan had, had made it. I, I thought he had about a six-point spread. Um, turns out he ended up having a 10-point spread. I, I had one place flipped, um, but I thought he still had it. But I was too nervous to, to say anything or to think about it, or I, I, you know, I didn't want to start smiling yet because you never really know. It's, it's, uh, I, you know. I could have messed up. So we're going and we're sitting there, and I figure I was like, all right, it's gonna, he's going to be in, in fifth if he's in. He's going to be in fifth. So they go through the first four really quickly, and then they love to drag out that fifth spot, man. It's brutal. <laughs> it is so brutal. Um, and then when they – you know, when they announced his name, you could see on his face that he actually, when he finished the event, you look at him and he thought he had lost it. He ran a great race in that last event. He finished seventh overall in the last event. It's not like he bombed at all, but the person that was, that was in sixth ended up finishing like third. So he also did really well. 
So you could see Ethan thought he had lost it. And then when they announced his name, you know, seeing the look on his face, I'm right there with his family. His family's crying. You know, I'm sitting there like starting to get emotional about it. Like, man, you put in all this work and you think, oh, yeah, there's a shot. Like we really <laughs> thought there was a shot. But you still never, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to describe, man. It was an unbelievable feeling. Um, so excited. Um, now it presents a whole new host of challenges. Can't wait to get them ready for Madison and all this. For real. So, so that reaction was sincere. Like that wasn't yeah. just for the campers. He was actually a little bit surprised that he was, he was going yeah. to the games. He truly thought he had, he thought he had blown it, which is, which is funny because like he did so well, but that last heat is the top 10 people. So it's like, you're going also against the best. So he finished um, seventh on that workout. Um, which is still, again, he, you know, he had five of the six finishes were top seven. That's the reason he's going to the game. He was really consistent. Um, so it's still a great finish when you got 40 competitors um, in every, for every single event. But he, you know, he saw how quickly the one guy had done it. So he just assumed in his mind, he's like, man, I, I blew it. But he ran his race, you know, and that was his, the theme of the whole weekend is he ran, he stuck to his plan. He didn't worry about people got in front of him when they were going to get in front of him. He knew when to push. We had plans for every single event going through the whole weekend and he ran it to a T. I got to give him so much credit because he, he, for being 22 years old, he's actually the youngest male to qualify for the games um, this year, but he, uh, he really treated it like a veteran. He, you know, he was like a professor out there, man. He knew when he could push, held back when he needed to. And the results speak for themselves. Well, man, you, you got to be so proud of that. I mean, that, that Landry region was stacked. I mean, your boy was beating Ben Smith, Noah Olson, some of those <laughs> yeah, workouts. Man. I mean, that was, that was yeah, nuts. That's great. That's the one thing that's – it's tough to compare regions because there are weeks between. So, like, we're the third weekend of regional. So, so he had two more weeks to practice the handstand walk, to practice pacing, to work on transitions, like uh, to change some strategy. So it's hard to compare. But he did qualify 14th overall going to the games. And the, the person right behind him, the sixth-place finisher, was 18th. And to put that in perspective, um, you know, that's comparing all athletes at all regionals. So he is 14th out of any region if they were all, again, together, which is hard to really compare. And to put in perspective, like the South region, um, which is um, historically a little bit behind some of the other regions in terms of the very top level talent, they're still great athletes. But the winner of that region finishes 52 in that same pool. You know, gotcha. so it's again, they went that first weekend hard to compare across regions um, and across weekends. But it just kind of puts into perspective, you know, the guy that's not going to games finishing 18th of all competitors when you compare their all their times. Um, so it's a very tough region. That's for sure. So so you said Ethan's the youngest guy to qualify this year. Is he yeah. is he also the biggest? I mean, because from the way the announcers kept talking about him being 5'11", 215, I mean, it sounds like he, he might be one of the largest athletes uh, in the history of the sport. I really don't know. Does that, does that size, does it work as an advantage? I mean, cause you think about basic physics, F equals MA, right? If you have more yeah. M, you don't need as much A, right. but I can also see where that could be a problem with pull-ups and body weight movements, things like yeah. that. No, you're exactly right, man. I think he, from what I understand, he's the second or third biggest to qualify. I think he's, so he's listed at 220. He was about 218 going into the workouts. He's about six foot 218. And there was somebody that qualified in another region. I think it was 229 is like the highest I'd seen. Um, but he's, so he's near the top and you're right. That can be very beneficial in certain instances, but the way, um, the way CrossFit is set up, the, the vast array of things that they're testing can also be detrimental. So he is also very, um, you know, he carries his weight in a lot of his lower body. He's got huge legs, huge glutes. Like he's not, he's, he, you know, we always joke about his baby tries. Um, so he's, uh, <laughs> he, he isn't built like you would typically think a, uh, you know, like a standard crosshair at the high level would be built. Um, but to give him credit, he's put in so much work in those areas that he needed to improve. When I first met him, he never really did anything aerobic. And then that first event, you know, it was a 40 minute plus workout that involves 
you know, a couple thousand meters of row or 3000 meters of rowing, a bunch of double unders and three miles of running. And he finishes fifth in a really tough region, um, mm-hmm. at 218 pounds. So, um, the guy is one of the bigger guys, but he's putting a lot of work to, to improve himself aerobically and to, uh, you know, build up a lot of density in those upper body gymnastics movements. Um, so, you know, he's still got a ways to go in that. That's something that we're going to work on here in the next few weeks. We can't expect too much adaptation in a few weeks, but, um, you know, long-term, that's an area that we're really going to keep pushing. So without giving too much away, what does training look like for games athlete from now to August? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the truth. This is, you know, like you said, this is my first one um, going through it. So um, the first thing I did when I'm sitting down to write somebody's program for the, for the games right here is I looked back at previous games, really the last three years and tried to deduce a little bit of some themes that are going on. Now um, the games are tough because, um, to be honest, they're not really written to find the fittest person in terms of they're not trying to test every you know, certain area of fitness. It is an entertainment you know, opportunity for them. So if you notice, the AM sessions are always the boring ones. The PM ones are always the sexy workouts, the three rounds for time with high skill. Um, you know, they, 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 it's not written truly to test every aspect of, of fitness to find the most well, well-rounded athlete. That's not really what they're going for. They say that's what they're going for, but to tell you the truth, that's not what the tests, in my opinion, truly find. Um, but there are themes, and that's something that we can figure out. You can also look at, like, what implements are they using, um, what variations of different gymnastics pieces are they doing, because they do, you know, the games has tested things that we haven't seen in the Open or Regionals. So um, I'm trying to uh, I try to accumulate a little bit of a list on, on these themes, these workouts, really the last couple of years. It's hard to go back any further than that. Um, and so I take, took that list. I also tried to be objective in my evaluation of where Ethan is right now as an athlete. So he has some things that he needs to work on. Again, six, we really have six, seven weeks of a build because it was about eight weeks um, from when we finished to uh, regionals to when the games start. And that's tough to really make a ton of improvement. Um, but we can definitely touch on certain things. So I kind of put together a little bit of an evaluation of, all right, these are some areas I really want to um, you know, work with him. And kind of looked at those two lists together. So um, to give you kind of some some ideas of what things that the games have that we don't really have at regionals, um, first thing we got to do is I told him to go buy a pair of cleats because we got to start working on some change of direction. I told him we got to make you an athlete again. Uh, so uh, he, you know, that's something that's not really tested at regionals, but they they test that kind of thing at the games. Um, there's a lot more strongman type things. So yoke carries, heavy farmers handles, heavy kettlebell deadlifts and kettlebell walks, like kettlebell farmers walks. They've done a lot of sled work. Um, there's also very um, you know, higher level gymnastics skills. So weighted pistols, ring handstand pushups, you see things like pegboard on there. Um, and we could keep going. There's just so many different things they do um, from a aerobic position or like kind of one of those, um, you know, when we're looking at kind of what kind of aerobic work we're going to do, we're going to have to get into some more swimming, which we hit swimming year round, but um, we got to build up a little more volume there and touch on some open water work running back on the road. We just prepared to run on a true form or an air runner, very different than running on the road. We got back on the road on the pavement biking actually on a real bicycle not on an assault bike um so little things like that that we got to we got to get into again um and then for me the way i set it up is um what uh my friend mike lee would, from opex would determine would kind of determine a uh step program essentially. So, um, for like the next four weeks, we're going to steadily increase volume each week. Um, and then he's going to have a little break. He's going to have a couple of days off where, um, you know, we're going on a 90 minute walk outside and then the PM he's going to hit a 30 minute easy swim. You know, that will be that day's training. It'll be backed off a little bit from the intensity. Um, before we kind of pick right back up where we left off and build for another three weeks. Um, so every week building. So that way, um, for him, he can handle, 
a pretty much close to a full simulation. It won't be a complete simulation, but he re- he's pretty resilient. He's young. He can respond well. So we can hit a very intensive week, uh, a week and a half, two weeks out. And that will kind of be the peak of his training. And then we'll pull back. We'll start, we'll, we'll continue to practice the skills as needed, continue to build, you know, to do some aerobic work from there. Um, but the intensity will start to come back down. So he feels good going in. You no, know, he's this is the first time he's going to be jacked up. The last thing I want to do is to overtrain him leading in, make him tired before he even goes, because then it's going to, you know, if he goes and leaves it all out there on five days, it's going to take months to recover from that, you know, and people, people laugh when I say that, but it will take months to get his body back to firing on all cylinders. If I push him too hard in training and then he goes and does a full week long competition with everything he got, cause you know, when you're there, you're going to give everything. Um, so I've got to really balance that, um, with him and I got to get him used to doing three things in a day, you know, three or four events in a day is tough. So we're going to move into, um, some different training schedule uh, where he might hit, you know, a 30 minute run out of bed fasted in the morning at noon, maybe some, um, you know, CP work with some Olympic lifting and high skill stuff, uh, practicing things like triple unders, weighted pistols, that stuff. And then something a little bit more metabolic in the, in the PM. Um, Again, getting him used to doing multiple things, um, you know, kind of with that breakdown, a lot more of the aerobic stuff in the morning. And then I'll, I'll switch that every once in a while to give him variants, but that will be the general kind of outline of how it's going to go over the next seven weeks. So just to kind of sum that up, I mean, it sounds like you're not going to add a ton of fitness. You're basically going to be, you know, building that aerobic base, kind of mm-hmm. simulating the, the competition-like environment, timing-wise, things like that, and also working on skill work. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he's already one of the fittest people in the world, but, you know, in, in, this, in this realm, one of the fittest people in the CrossFit realm. You know, again, I think there's 48 people going to games, you know, and he you know, is one of 48. And there were, you know, how many hundreds of thousands of people started this process of the open. So he's already one of the fittest ones there. The biggest thing is making sure he feels like he can express the fitness that he has when he is there. So I have to make sure he feels good going in. He feels crisp. He's prepared to handle the volume. So by the end of the weekend, he can still let that fitness that he already has shine through and his skills shine through. So um, for me, it's, it's, more about making sure that he feels the way he needs to going in. Um, but I am going to do a lot of work with him on, you know, upper body pushing and pulling, gymnastics work, uh, building density of those movements. Um, him, posterior chain strength has always been a little bit of an issue, like when it's like heavy deadlifts. Like they do that deadlift ladder from a couple of years ago. It starts at 405 and goes up like mm-hmm. 630 or something. So um, we need to build a little, um, you know, build a little bit more there if we can. So like there are some themes that I'm going to try to make improvements on. But like you said, a lot of it is going to be, um, you know, getting to where he feels like he can express his fitness well over those five days. So, so with him being one, already one of the fittest people on the planet, how much would you say strategy plays into competing at that level versus just simply the fitness aspect? Oh, yeah. Strategy is huge. Um, you know, I think it's an uh, underrated aspect of this. So, it's, you know, I think that, you know, there are a lot of people that, that make it to regionals and things like that without a coach and good on them, you know, if they can do that. Um, but uh, it does definitely help having somebody that, where you can just bounce ideas off of. You can practice different types of uh, strategies uh, building into it. So we had a, a plan going into every single workout. Every one of them, we, you know, we had, you know, again, that plan means something until you get into the workout and then you, you have to be able to adapt when needed. You get punched in the face, like Mike Tyson would say, then <laughs> you got to be able to change. But um, every plan going in, he had row paces that he needed to row. He knew what he was going to do on the double unders. He had his run paces set and knew when he would be able to push for that first workout. On Linda, he knew when he could start going unbroken on the cleans and when he needed to hit singles. Um, 
you know, and how quickly he could start his next set of bench because that was his weakest aspect of those things. Um, on the handstand walk, that was our survival one. He's great at handstand walks, but the obstacle wasn't his, you know, his forte and the, and the higher volume of muscle-ups isn't his forte. So we had breaks planned for the muscle-ups, and we knew exactly how long he needed to rest between handstand walk intervals. It's the same thing, even that last event. You know, people around him are pushing that last event because they got a win to get in. So they're going hard and hitting these fast rope climbs, but he knows the thrusters are where he makes his money. The rope climbs, he's got to survive and pace them well. And, you know, you know that comes from practice. It comes from strategy. It comes from having somebody um, that can objectively tell you what, you know, what you need to do. Um, cause I don't sugarcoat things, you know, like he might think, Oh yeah, I can push this, but I, I know in the back of my mind, Hey, you're going to be better off doing X, Y, and Z. Um, and so you have to tactfully explain that to them, but, um, that's what you have practice leading into it. And we practice different strategies, see what ultimately results in the best performance. And, um, then on game day, you got to try to stick to your strategy and change it if needed. You know, if he had been on sixth place going to that last one and he had to win it, we would have to change our strategy. We would have to decide we're all right, we're going to try to push this part a little bit further because I knew where his training times were. I knew about how much better he could probably do if he ran his race perfectly, which he did PR every single one on, you know, over the course of the weekend, which is a tribute to just him, you know, rising up to the occasion. But realistically, if he had to go a minute faster in that workout, it's probably not happening. So he would have to, you know, we'd have to sell out and, and try. We'd have to change the strategy. So um, that's where, you know, having a coach that can talk you through those things um, is really important. And when, when your athlete buys in like that, man, um, you hope that you're not wrong. You know, if I don't lead him, to, lead him astray. But, um, you know, it's, it's an awesome feeling to see him run his race and it pay off. Oh, for sure. So you, you guys to be ready to call an audible at any point essentially mm -hmm. yeah a lot of that's on him yeah if he doesn't feel it he's got to change it and he did that on one workout um he did um on one of them he uh he changed up a little bit because he was just like man if I, I knew if i had done what we had you know practiced i wouldn't be able to hold on so i need to change it and that's you know again it showed maturity for 22 years old and only being in the sport three or four years um you know that's you know a lot of maturity there for sure. So, so what's it actually like to coach on one of these things? I mean, I saw you on camera a bunch of times. I mean, is it, is it about like being a quarter man um, at a, at a boxing ring or you just game plan in between workouts or something like that? Yeah, dude, it, it's, it's crazy, man. It's uh, it was really fun this year because we had people in different divisions and different heats. So there's always something going on, but it also made it even more stressful. It was like run back to the warm up area, see if anybody needs anything, run back out, watch somebody else, then come back to the warm up area. And, and the, the dynamic of each athlete is so different. So you got to figure out, okay, who needs the, a little bit of a push who needs somebody to come up to him and be like, this is your time. Like you're going to, you know, this is you, you're going to go out there and kill this. Um, and who needs, you know, you to be, you know, back off, you know, that last workout, I didn't talk to Ethan before he went out there. It was just a subtle, like, Hey man, that, the, that transition looked great, dude. Or, Hey, that climb was perfect. Just like that the whole time. It was just subtle little, you know, reinforcement. And then I back away. I stayed, I gave my distance, um, because that's what he needed right there. He didn't need me on top of him in the warm up area, especially cause I'm, I'm freaking nervous. I didn't want that to rub off on him. Um, so, uh, you just have to figure out, you know, which athlete are two other individual athletes, um, other than Ethan there, both did really well, both top 20, but they are, you know, totally different personalities. Um, you know, John probably says 10 words, you know, 10 words the entire time that we were there together. Um, you know, cause it's not, it's just not his personality. Um, so you got to figure out who, how that person ticks and then how you fit into that. So that way you can, uh, um, you know, make sure that everybody is in the right mindset going in. Gotcha. So somebody captured that shot of Ethan pointing to the crowd 
yeah. after that last wide, you're know, wearing the red Carolina Performance Training T-shirt. You got to love that, right? Yeah, so, dude, good product placement right there. Good, uh, <laughs> good marketing right there. Good on him. I'm proud that he wore that the last last <laughs> event because he's got a lot of sponsors. So, dude, it's nice. like it's it's like the perfect shot. I mean, you can make a poster out of it. So you, you must have been <laughs> getting a bunch of calls from potential clients for dude, Carolina it, Performance Training since that. It has been great, man. We've gotten some people reaching out, um, which is awesome. You know, of course, we are trying to expand. I've got multiple coaches on staff who are great um, and who are hungry and who want to help people reach that goal. Um, so we've had, you know, a lot of people reach out this week. You know, it's only been, I guess, you know, a week pretty much, um, which is crazy to think about. It's only been a week. Um, and uh, we had some people reach out mainly because they, you know, they saw Ethan's performance or he put up a post or, or they saw us put up a post, something like that. Um, reaching out, wanting to find out more, which is awesome. Uh, you know, I always encourage people to reach out because we at least explain exactly how it goes and how we do things, um, which, which is so much fun, man. We get a lot of, it seems like the peop- the person type person that's reaching out right now um, is the person who maybe isn't completely satisfied where they are in terms of not only their own performance, but maybe their gym or their gym's program or their coach they have now. So they're just looking for a change. And, and um, I'm honored and humbled that they reach out to us. Um, and, you know, I know myself, and my other coaches are so excited to help other people reach that journey. I, you know, we had, we're lucky enough at this regional to have seven this year. Um, and I'd love to keep that growing. I think it would be so cool to, you know, have an army down there, man. Yeah, for sure, man. Shout out to the team, too. I yeah. mean, Critter Critters, dude, the whole team looked great. But, man, the girls, Rachel and Christian, they, they were on another level. I mean, Oh, they crushed they, it. <laughs> dude, they just like a well machine. And, and those girls are strong, man. Yeah. It was, that was awesome. I mean, they got yeah, a bright future they, in that sport. They do, man. I think both of them have um, bright futures in terms of they wanted to, to eventually be individual athletes. I know that they both eventually want to push that route. Um, but they complement each other well. Um, on uh, you know this whole weekend, the whole team did as well. Uh, they fin- you know they finished 16th, and I think they qualified 16th coming in, so they held their own. The, the weekend didn't go perfectly. When you have a four-person team trying to communicate through things, you might have a little here and there, uh, you know, something fall through the cracks. We were getting no repped on some of our uh, some of our work with the worm, and that's tough. We don't have a worm. We tried to make the one like we talked about, um, and it, it worked well, but it's still not exactly the same. So. Um, you know, they also, they didn't communicate well with their judge. They, they were getting no rep, but they couldn't figure out why. So there are always little things that happen like that over the course of the weekend. But, man, they were resilient. They responded well. They came out and pushed hard in that last event, which they knew would be a good one for them. Um, even though they knew they weren't satisfied with where they were, um, they still gave it their all. And it's so fun to watch the four of them come together like that. Absolutely, man. Um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I, I think you're going to take a team for every year from here on out. Cause I know historically it's always been tough having good girls on the team, but it seems like mm-hmm. I got that nailed down. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Um, Shout out to them for, they work, they work hard, man. It's amazing. Kind of like we talked about Jeff last weekend, you know, some of these you know, people, they, you know, they really do prioritize this in their life and everything else lines up to it and um, give them credit. They are seeing the success that they all deserve. For sure. And yeah, just, just to kind of uh, sum this up, uh, you know, I can't, I, very happy for you for having your first athlete qualify for the games, man. I can't say I'm surprised. You know, I know for years you're on top of the food chain, first house <laughs> program in the world, but you know, I'm well, happy to you. see you get some recognition on the big stage and um, just all the people at Vertex PT specialists want to say congratulations as well. Congratulations, Ethan. We were actually watching from the clinic. You know, that's actually only time. That's like the only time of the year we're actually turn the TV on to, you know, watch it like while we're at work. Um, but it was, it was cool, man, seeing that. And uh, you, uh, have you booked your flight for Madison yet? I did. Yeah, man. Got to get out there. They have a, a coach's meeting on the, the 29th, um, which is, uh, you know, a, a week before or, a, you know, I'm up there for a week. Um, the competition starts on the first and goes till the sixth. It's a long weekend, man, uh, or a long week. So it's going to be fun. It's still kind of surreal, but uh, I'm sure when he gets there, we're going to be ready. 
you got, you going to call in sick for school or something? You're still, <laughs> you're still in PT school, man. You got that side gig we call DPT school going on. I don't, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> no, I, uh, I'm, we're, we're working that out. Um, that's a big thing too. Um, of course I have requirements I got to meet for different things. So, um, shout out to our program for always being, um, you know, so open to unique opportunities like this. Um, and, and so I got to get my responsibilities done. Um, and I will, but, uh, you know, this is a big moment and I think that everybody realizes it. So they're, uh, they're pretty supportive. Harvey, if you're listening, Josh will bring you back a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least. I'll do whatever you need, Harvey. I got you. <laughs> oh, man. Well, before we sign off, um, you know, we had a listener ask a question regarding cash PT and, and business consulting. I'm going on a completely different uh, road down here. Um, but full disclosure, I actually recorded this part earlier today while I was working out. So if it sounds like I'm out of breath, you can thank Josh for that, for his one-arm front lean rest holds on the rings. Um, so <laughs> Those, there we go. That stuff gets hard. That stuff gets hard, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, man. It's, it's, it's deceiving. It's like an anti-rotation drill for sure. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll go ahead and um, plug that in and uh, we'll talk to you guys next Monday. All right, Josh, I want to switch gears here. And this has nothing to do with the CrossFit games. Lately, I've been getting contacted by several PTs who are either running cash-based practices or thinking about running cash practices. And a little background, if you're new to this podcast, I had a cash practice for two and a half years before my business partner, Jim, and I opened Vertex which is an in-network clinic. We're in-network with TRICARE, Medicare, and Blue Cross Blue Shield. It's still very much quality-driven. We see one patient per hour, pay our staff, pay our bills, and we had some success. Yes, hard work is part of it, but a lot of it is just because we have great physical therapists. Now, I get contacted by PTs with business clinical questions all the time, especially since we started this podcast, and I'm always happy to help for free. I believe in this profession, and I want everyone to do well because a rising tide lifts all ships. But lately, the questions I've gotten asked multiple times over the past month, and really just in the past two weeks, are, you know, should I spend several thousand dollars on business consulting and reading materials to open up this practice, be it cash based or otherwise? And my answer is, is resounding no. Listen, if you studied 15 minutes of business, you wasted 14. What you need to know is that supply and demand trumps all. No economist, no business owner can argue that point. Other than that, if you open up a cash clinic, all you need is a table, a location, and you need to be good at what you do. Yes, there are nuances like getting an LLC, getting a business license, getting your paperwork in order, but it's not that complicated. All that information can be found for free online. And really, the whole process should cost you no more than $1,000 by the time you open your doors and see your first patient. So if a quote-unquote business guru is trying to sell you something, ask yourself, does this pass the smell test? You know, we've all heard of the phrase, never trust a skinny chef, and the same rule applies here. If this guru has not had the success that he or she is promising, that should raise some questions. And one thing I want you to all realize is that cash-based PT is nothing new. This has been around for a long time, but the internet has brought more attention to it, just like many other things. But we all know on the internet, you can be a 5'6 man or a 6'5 woman. And I'm going a little tangent here, but it gets back to my point that cash PT has its pros. It'll give you some business experience, much like opening up a lemonade stand will. And it will force you to be good at what you do because a lot of your clientele is going to be willingly paying more out of pocket to see you. But make sure that the people you're getting your business advice from aren't just making their living by telling other people how to run cash practices. Make sure they're actually getting it done in the clinic themselves. Otherwise, the whole thing is fugazi and it comes off like a used car salesman. You know, the whole thing gets sold to people with promises of getting rich and not having to work in the clinic ever again. And I've even seen one subject line that came across my email that said, my clinic is printing money. Yours will too if you buy my product. And when I see that stuff, I cringe. Look, no matter what kind of practice you run, Keep it patient-centered, and if you do the damn hard work, the money's going to come as a byproduct. You know, as human beings, and especially in America, there's this phenomenon where we become who we pretend to be. We see this all the time in politics, and we see it in sports. And some of these business consultants are completely marked out on a little gimmick. 
my clinic is printing money. That's not real. That's a character you're playing, dude. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.